BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
We're going to do something a little different today. Um, we do another podcast every Friday called The Mark Striegel Show. And my co-host on that is Victor Ruiz, who has done a lot of co-hosting here on Talking Metal through the years. But we figured we kind of do this episode of Talking Metal more in the format of The Mark Striegel Show. And so without further ado, Victor, how are you, man? Doing good. How are you, Mark? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me for an additional podcast this week. As I mentioned, we do a podcast that we post every Friday. And this week you're joining me for the Tuesday episode of Talking Metal. We just heard A Passage to Bangkok by Rush. Of course, the big news last week, we lost Neil Peart. And pretty crazy, pretty crazy. I have to admit, I was surprised, but not shocked because I'd heard a rumor like two years ago that he had brain cancer. I mean, I heard that rumor and told, I remember telling a lot of people, not a lot of people, a handful of people and was kind of shot down like, Oh, that's bullshit. Don't believe that. But (laughs) it it was, it was true. I guess, I guess um, I heard from some people up in Canada. I think, the 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 Mitches were talking about it up there. My friends, mm. Mitch Lafon, maybe Mitch Joel, somebody else. I can't remember. And they weren't even sure if it was true. But I remember hearing that rumor at some point a few years ago and never really publicly put it out there because, A, it was, you know, it's a medical thing. And, B, I, I really at first believed it and then started to think, yeah, maybe it's not true. But, yeah, kind, kind of... Uh, kind of weird and wow what a major loss for the rock world not only a great drummer but uh the lyricist of rush what were your thoughts you big rush fan victor i don't even know if what your relationship is with that band yeah you know rush is a band that i can't consider myself a a huge fan of but um I think that there are songs in their catalog that I absolutely love, and then there's a bunch that I'm not that familiar with. That doesn't take away from the fact that uh, they're amazing musicians. Um, And I actually have a a Blu-ray of theirs that um, at around the time that I got my Blu-ray player, it was one of the only like concert things that was available to me. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm not a huge fan, but let me get this. And, And I played it a ton of times because it's just cool to see them play this stuff live and you know mostly uh neil pure with with the way that um that he plays he he was amazing you know whether you're a big fan or not uh, i think it's undeniable just what a powerhouse drummer he was and um how influential he was as far as uh, you know i i think if you really dissect what he brought to the table as a drummer uh, if you really look at a lot of obviously progressive metal bands that are out there now, uh, but also like a lot of, I would say, you know, death metal and black metal bands, the way that their drummers play, that they're always doing something, whether, you know, whether, whether it's appropriate or not in the song. I think a lot of that comes from from him as well, where he was always busy filling in notes and different things uh, with different pro- percussive elements Uh during the you know the, the the songs and and as you mentioned you know just the the lyrics because um, it, w- it was funny when this happened you know I sent you a text message 
And, you know, instantly I went to Facebook and, and one of the interesting or most interesting posts that kind of has stuck with me uh, since Friday was uh, John Leon of White Wizard fame. And he's always professed that Maiden and Rush are his two biggest influences. And he wrote something to the effect of, you know, people don't understand when I say, you know, that I cried when this musician died or when the other, this other one died. And he said, you know, finding out that, you know, uh, he just died this afternoon. He wrote something to the effect of, um, you know, I've been, you know, teary eyed all day. You know, he was a huge, huge influence. And it made me think, you know, whether I was a big fan or not, a lot of these songs, you know, I was playing them for my wife and for my kids this weekend. A lot of these songs, you kind of grew up with them if you listen to terrestrial rock radio. I mean, how many hits did they have that are still played today on the radio? You know, a lot of people go, you know, point towards, you know, Tom Sawyer and stuff like that. But there's there's close, you know, 10 to 15 songs that were continuously played on the radio. So it's almost like losing um, someone who or – you know, a part of an aspect of music that you've connected with right. so much over the years. So, I mean, I li listening to the lyrics probably a little bit more in depth than I have ever with Rush, you know, because so much was made out of him being a, a lyricist. Yeah, I, I got totally where uh, where John was coming from where when he mentioned that. So, yeah. I mean, I I think it's a tremendous loss. And, and I mentioned this to you. It was weird that things like um, CNN and um, Dateline Hollywood and and a lot of other sites that are outside of you know Blabbermouth and Brave Words and Rolling Stone picked up on it and they picked up on it right away. So I mean I think that's really like a tip of the hat to how important he was as a musician and how much this band, whether they were huge or not, how how much you know they were really influential to uh to to definitely rock culture over the years yeah and i i think what you said there you know with cnn and and major news outlets picking up the story that that's what should have happened and i'm glad that it did happen because you know in, in like you said in the past we've seen some of our rock heroes die who have sold millions of records and it, they're simply ignored by the the press the you know the non-music press so yeah good good for those outlets for reporting this because this was a major band that sold millions and millions of records and had an enormous cultural impact and a big part of that was neil pert because again not only was this mm -hmm. guy the drummer of the band he was the lyricist and Man, I go back my my two big Rush records, and I you know I love all you know I love all Spirit of the uh, the Radio, one of my favorite all time tunes, Free Will, another great one. But for me, the two big records, and back in the day b before Spotify and Apple Music and having every album at the tip of your f fingertips. You couldn't, as a kid, you know, growing up, I, I'm born in 1969, so as a kid growing up in the late 70s and early 80s, uh, throughout the 80s, and even into the 90s, you couldn't afford always to have every album by every band that you liked. So 
you kind of had to pick your poison. For me, those two records, two of my favorite all-time records were Moving Pictures and 2112 by Rush. Those were my two Rush records and the ones I just wore the groove grooves off of and we, we heard a little music off of 2112 earlier in this episode. I did, uh, you know, on a personal note, I did get to see Rush three times live um, and each one was a, a tremendous uh, memory for me. I Grace Under Pressure with Gary Moore opened that show. That was really kind oh, wow. of my second biggest, uh, my second big concert. I first saw Motley Crue with Saxon opening, and then that was in a theater because Motley Crue wasn't that big at that time. And then on Grace Under Pressure, I guess that would have been 80, 84, um, the way I'm remembering it. I saw at the Rosemont Horizon, my friend Terry and I went, and his uncle who he lived with took us to the the show and went into the show with us and that was a great memory too and then I saw them in 1988 was the next time I saw them you know what like four years later when I was in college I saw them in Worcester Massachusetts I'm not sure I noticed they did two dates in Worcester they played December for or December 2nd 19 actually did I say 88 no it was 87 so they played December 2nd 1987 and December 3rd 1987 and that was the hold your fire tour which I did a YouTube video a couple days ago and I think I said I saw him on the roll the bones tour in 88 which was incorrect it was actually the hold your fire tour in late 87 and then I saw them you know I don't know 12 years ago or so at Radio City Music Hall in New York City on the 30th anniversary tour. And that was the last time I saw them live. But going back to the set list that I saw in 1987 in Worcester, Massachusetts, December 1987, opened with Big Money, Subdivisions, Limelight, Marathon, Turn the Page, Prime Mover. What's Prime Mover? I don't know. That's the song I... I We'd have to look that one up. I don't know that one uh, off the top of my head. Manhattan Project, Closer to the Heart, Red Sector A, Force 10, Time Stand Still, Distant Early Warning, Lock and Key, Mission, Territories, YYZ, The Rhythm Method, Into the Drum Solo, Spirit of the Radio, Tom Sawyer, Encore was 2112, The Temple of Cyrenix, La Villa's, Strang, Strangato, that cool instrumental. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. In, in the mood. Uh, excuse me. No Red Bergetta, I guess. Wow, that's interesting. Because I do believe on Grace Under Pressure and the 30th anniversary tour, they did play Red Red Bergetta. But um, yeah, good stuff. And wow, what a band. And again, for me, uh, 2112 was always an interesting record because, you know, I, I loved that... Um, first side and then it, the second side slowly grew on me i remember i, I was first really into a passage to bangkok and the clo bangkok and the closer something for nothing and it was those songs in between there like i think it's like twilight zone and lessons that i, I always kind of lifted the needle over those three songs but <laughs> right. eventually those really got into me uh into my my dna and and man every song now on that record is just such a uh, an important thing for me as well as and the same with moving pictures you know first it was like side one was just such a perfect rock 
you know, shorter songs and just just a perfect rock experience. And then side two, it took a little bit more, uh, you know, patience and diving in deeper to those songs on side two. But wow, two tremendous records by a, a great band that will never play again, really. I mean, there's no way we'll ever see Rush again. And I, I can't imagine them ever doing anything under the Rush uh, name ever again. So interesting. What I was thinking, what do you think of like, should they do some sort of like benefit like Alex and, and Getty and get a, different drummers to come up and play with them? That that would be kind of cool, you know? Well, that's, that's something that I wanted to bring up um, because, all right, so let's think of the timing a little. They said he was, he had brain cancer for what, the last three and a half years and they stopped touring what five years ago uh yeah i don't have it in front of me but that sounds about right yeah so i mean they've been shooting down for the longest time um rush playing again and they said well you know maybe uh getty and alex will play again together how much of this do you think maybe because they knew that whatever he had that there was kind of no turning back and now that you know maybe neil's gone maybe this opens the door to them playing again together maybe not as you said under the rush um name but maybe under some other name or maybe do a bunch of benefits like like you mentioned i think that that would definitely be cool um but you also have to you know what drummers do do you plug in there i mean obviously uh, Mike Portnoy would be a name that would be interesting there. Danny Carey from Tool, which is who they, they did uh, apparently passage to Bangkok part of it the other night um, after he passed away. Um, but how much how much do you think them not playing together had to do with, you know, them knowing that that Neil was going to die? And, uh, you know, what what drummers would you like to right. see with them? Uh, I mean, the ones you like Portnoy and, and, and Danny from Tool, obviously, they, those are obvious ones that I think uh, would would work. And I know Alex Lifeson is a big Tool fan. Um, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, part of me doesn't want to see it, <laughs> to be honest. I think you just <laughs> just leave right. it. Everyone always has got to mess with things. And, you know, Getty's voice isn't what it, what it used to be. But... And there's another part of me that would like to see it. So I, I don't know. Let's let me let me think about other drummers that I, I think they have to be bigger names. Like, I, I don't think I mean, Richard Christie or something would be cool, but I just don't think that he's a big enough name for right. for something like that. Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, the guy Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl, obviously not technically quite. At least, at least Grohl's not not technically quite what Neil Peart was, but yeah, they're, not they're, the same style. Yeah, but they're big enough names, and mm -hmm. you know, Grohl has almost become this like spokesman for rock in general. That I would think he would need to be uh, involved just to bring attention to it. I'm trying to think uh, who else. I he mean, inducted them in the Rock and Roll. Oh, Hall did he? Fame, okay. Too. All right, yeah. I did not know that, so that makes sense. I would say Stuart Copeland of the Police, you know, would be a a good person to have involved, and 
I think he issued a statement about it. Uh, yeah, who else, man? I don't know. I mean, don't know. I mean, what you're saying makes sense. Lars Ulrich, I mean, again, not anywhere close to what Neil Peart was (laughs) (laughs) technically, but Mm -hmm. a massive rock star and a big name who would bring attention to it and help, you know, raise money if they were raising money for a foundation or whatever. So, I mean, to me, I know people are like, oh, Lars, well, he can never play Neil Peart. But yeah, it's not about that. It's about, you know, raising awareness and, and bringing attention to what's going on there. I don't know. Who else? Yeah, I mean, to, to your point, if, you know, there's probably a lot of guys like, uh, uh, I don't know, like a Gene Hoagland or people of that caliber, but it's similar yeah, no, to Richard no Christie. No one knows, you know, knows who that yeah. is. You know, I mean, yeah. Chris Adler, Lamb of God, yeah, sure, but that's not like a household name, you know, so right, I, I don't right. know. But I guess at the end of the day, it would be up to whoever whoever the guy's in, you know, whoever Getty and, and Alex would want to do that. But I, I think it would be cool to do something like that in this. You know, it doesn't have to be on the stadium level that the Freddie Mercury tribute was back in the day. But I, I think it, something in that same vein could be really cool where all these guests come up and to, to what I said before, where Getty's voice isn't quite what it was. Well, maybe guest singers come up and play these songs and, Sure. I mean, I mean, Rush was an enormous band, and and when you look back, I always feel like people has have like fuzzy vision when it comes to twenty twenty, especially younger people. They're like, well, back in the seventies, the Ramones were on the radio, and Black Sabbath was on the radio, and all this <laughs> stuff, and they weren't. They weren't. They Those weren't, bands yeah. weren't weren't on the radio, but Rush was. Rush was. Right. You know, had a had a bunch of songs really when you, when you think about it that that got radio play and that's how I discovered Rush through it wasn't through word of mouth like I did with you know Sabbath it was it was uh it was definitely the the FM radio rock stations really embraced bands like like Rush and Triumph Scorpions those were all big big bands where Sabbath really wasn't a big radio band in the in the 70s you know they weren't the Ramones they never got on the radio maybe college radio and here and there not but until the 90s yeah you know that's not not until around early 90s around the time that grunge hit did, did the Ramones get any airplay you know like you're saying what what got airplay maybe the song Pet Cemetery around the time the movie came right, out right right yeah. and we're talking about what 86 87 you never heard I want to be sedated unless it was exactly what you said, some type of a college thing or like some midnight radio shift when, you know, DJs were allowed to pick their own shit outside of that. You know, right. I've, like I said before, you know, you look at Rush, Working Man, Free Will, uh, Spirit of the Radio, Closer to the Heart, Tom Sawyer, Red Bear Cheddar, Limelight, Subdivisions, New World Man, Distant Early Warning. Red Sector 8 to a point. Uh, Big Money was a big MTV song. I mean, they used to play Free Will on the radio, like where I lived. You know, um, YYZ would get radio play. Uh, the uh, 2112 songs you mentioned as well. The uh, well, what other band got like a 10 minute song on the fucking radio? They they did. Maybe Zeppelin. Yeah. 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 Yeah, But yeah. So. it is uh, the end of the, an era, and 
again, those lyrics that he wrote were just so good. And some of them were yep. cheesy, you know, like song like The Trees. I, I always thought, I mean, it was a good message. It, it really mm-hmm. was a good message. It, it, that, And I understand what, they were, what he was trying to do with it. But those lyrics specifically for that song, I always thought were a little, little hokey. But sometimes cheesy is good, you know, and I, I really yeah. loved like like the story behind Red uh, Burgetta and the, the futuristic uh, kind of sci-fi story of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, back on 2112, I mean, that whole side one, that was an epic story. But even uh, the song we heard earlier in the podcast, I mean, that <clears throat> that had a little story. So this guy was a storyteller, you know, a lot of times yeah. lyrics might not tell tell stories sometimes they're more just you know moments in time or or poetry that is more vague but a lot of the the lyrics were not vague and if you've seen the rush documentary that sam dunn did a number of years back you already know what i'm going to say but if you haven't seen it i do recommend that as as viewing material you know the the one of the most famous rush lyrics uh, speaks volumes about Neil Peart and we're talking about the song Limelight and I can't I think the lyric says I can't pretend a stranger is a long awaited friend mm-hmm. uh, I might have a word or two off there but that was that was that was really interesting lyric and it's revealed in that documentary that that was about the Rush fans you know and yeah. and, and and in a way it was a, a diss at the fans of Rush that Neil, unlike Getty and Alex, who were very outgoing and always shaking hands, signing autographs, uh, I- embracing the limelight. Neil didn't like to have to pretend that a, a Rush fan, a stranger, was a friend. He didn't. He didn't want to have to pretend and be fake. And and that was that was how he viewed the fans. He wasn't. He wasn't quite as open towards them. There was always a kind of keep your distance between him and the Rush fan base. Uh, and you may disagree, but that was how what I actually took from the Rush yeah. documentary. And yeah, so always it was crazy to think. I, I would have never thought that that was actually about the Rush fans. I can't pretend a stranger is a long-awaited friend. And yeah. written by Neil Peart. And that kind of ties into his death because here he was sick for at least three years battling this and the more I think about when I was told about that rumor that he had brain cancer I mean it was a it it could have been even it could have been two years ago but it could have also been four years ago Mm -hmm. I mean I'm guessing it was like three years ago or so but yeah so he kept this pretty quiet I mean because it wasn't something that was I mean, Eddie Van Halen, we know, is sick, you know, or, or not doing well, or, you know, David Lee Roth said that, and and people have been speculating that's kind of been out there, but I think a lot of people with Neil Peart did not see this coming, you know, right. and so that ties in directly to that lyric of about his privacy, you know, he wasn't mm-hmm. somebody who was going to get on there and, you know, talk about his his death. I mean, I can't think of... You know, like a Warren Zevon or somebody who went out there and let everybody know I'm dying. You know, Neil Peart never mm-hmm. never did that. There was no goodbye to the fans. You know, there was no yeah. final statement from him to the fans, and that is very Neil, in my my opinion. 
Yeah, that's and and I saw an interview this morning where he kind of explained that a little further, and he mentioned that when he you say he, got, who, who, Neil, Neil, yeah, where he talked about the influence for that specific line, and he said that he had seen an interview with an author that the author pretty much said, you know, at a book signing that all these people wanted, you know, the his picture and this and that, and that somebody said, you know, I've um, I identify with you because of this or because of that. And, and the author pretty much said, no, you, you actually don't because we're, we're two completely different people. You know, um, what I write, I'm not telling you, you know, a hundred percent, uh, a story or whatever. I'm giving you my angle on it and I'm not. And with that, I'm not telling you everything involved. It's up to you to kind of take your own, kind of opinion away and, and form your own idea of what's what I'm trying to tell you. And he said that, you know, that he saw that the author said, you know, you really don't know me. You really don't understand me. You know, my workings, you know what I do for a living and you, you know, you buy my books and read them, but it's still up to your interpretation. And, uh, Neil Peart thought that that was, exactly how he felt and he he goes on to explain you know the difference between you know introverted people and extroverted people how some are celebrated and how the others are seen as as stuck up or or maybe uh think that they're better than other people but he's he goes on to say you know i'm a very introverted person you know if you're my friend i'll you know joke with you i'll talk to you for hours you know i'll strike up conversations about things that you know we have in common and he says, but if not, you know, I really don't have anything else going on. You know, it's kind of great that you love my music, but we really don't have anything else to share. So he he goes on to say, you know, I have no problem taking, you know, the occasional picture and this, that and the other thing. But, you know, it it really bugs him that people come up to him and, and would say that, you know, that they that they knew him or right. or what. So oh. and. Think about how they, how other bands, you know, like Kiss is on the end of the road tour for X amount of years, Sabbath, the the end. Um, Rush finished and they didn't even say, hey, we're done. You know, not officially. Right. They didn't go out there and, you know, do a, a big celebration where, you know, they could have. They probably could have, you know, said, hey, one more show in, uh, you know, in Toronto, which is where they're from. And they probably could have sold out, you know, a big stadium. And, but they chose not to. They just chose to do things their way and end on their terms. And, you know, you got to kind of applaud them for, for doing that and not, you know, kind of uh, panning to Live Nation or to Ticketmaster or anyone like that. And news has come out today that um, AEG offered them, I don't know how much, to do a residency in Vegas where they would only have to play, I think it was something like uh, four shows a month. Wow. Um, for for like two years or something like that, and they flat out turned them down. And I guess the guy that runs AEG said that you know they were his first concert and that they're one of his all time favorite bands, and that he threw money at them like there was no tomorrow, but there was no no way of getting them to commit. Right. Right. So, um, here's here's another question that I had for you. Um where we've talked about this on the other podcast, where a lot of people's um, credibility skyrockets after their death, where maybe they've, you know, received, um, 
you know, uh, props from from the general media or fan base or even people that aren't fans as a result of their death. Do you think that, you know, uh, with Neil Peart passing away that it's that same type of uh, people, you know, or that same type of attention that he's garnering? Or do you think that it, everything that he's receiving is is justified like we've talked about how you know with um you know certain people dying under tragic circumstances they're catapulted but i i, I guess where am right. i going uh, yeah yeah no I, I know what you're saying and i mean i yeah. do think i i do think this is a tragic circumstance brain cancer at age 67 um mm-hmm. there's there's no doubt that that's tragic is it tragic like Dimebag Daryl getting murdered at whatever he was, what, late 30s or something or four, mm-hmm. 40 years old? I don't even know how old he was. But is, is it tragic on that level? Um, no. But but it's uh, it's definitely tragic. I, I don't – I think I think um, what we're seeing, you know, Justin Trudeau, the, the – what is he the president the prime, prime minister, minister of yeah. canada talking about him i mean that that's that's some that's that's pretty big you know it's pretty big to have some you know the, the leader of your home country talking about you i do he did die in california so i'm assuming he was living in in california neil pert when he died but uh i i i don't i don't know i i don't i don't think it's going to propel him to be any more uh you know, legendary or godlike than he was already. Because I, I do think he was, you know, as far as drummers go and and just fans go. I mean, he was pretty, pretty iconic, pretty big already. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure this is going to propel him into legendary status any more so than he may have already been. Okay. Uh, that's just me. I don't know. Disagree. Yeah. Yeah, he did. You know, another thing on another note, he he did really change the sound of this band because let's let's remember that Rush existed before Neil Peart. And when you go right. back and you listen to <laughs> Working Man and, and some of that real early, what, what was on that first Finding My Way was on that first record, right? That yeah. that that was really um, kind of Zeppelin esque. You know, they were mm-hmm. almost like the Zeppelin kind of knockoff wannabe type of thing going on there maybe maybe you know some heavier blue cheer kind of thrown in there as an influence the who uh but they really became in my humble opinion they became a progressive band on that second album when 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 neil joined and neil took the lyrics to a new level and neil took the the timings and the rhythms to to a new wet red can't talk to a new level with fly by night a record that also i i really love you know that's when i got into a little later in life when i was in high school again i mentioned it was moving pictures in 2112 but fly by night was a song that was always on the radio and you know i always i always loved that but you know neil pert came in and wrote 90% 90% of the lyrics on that record. I mean, there were a couple songs. I think Best I Can, Getty Lee wrote. Maybe maybe there's another one on that record. But he wrote, he started writing all the lyrics and, and really took their sound with his drumming patterns to, to a new place. And mm-hmm. yeah, so what a loss. We're talking about Neil Peart. 
uh, born in when? What did you like? Nineteen fifty. I had that up on the screen and now I don't have it. Let's see, personnel. Oh, here we go. Uh, on Wikipedia, according to Wikipedia, born September 12, 1952 and died January 7th, 2020 at age 67. Far too young to to leave us. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's kind of segue. Uh, you know, I, I do like to keep these to 30, 40 minutes and we're playing some music too, but I know it's a tough topic to segue off of, but you mentioned to me earlier, the, uh, nonsense with LA guns, a <laughs> right. band that put out a great record last year, by the way. And I Absolutely. saw, I saw both versions of LA guns last year, but there are kind of two versions of L.A. Guns and, and what? So they're suing suing each other now? Is that what's happening, Victor? Yeah, the Phil Lewis and Tracy Guns version is now suing the Steve Riley version, um, saying something to the effect of um, uh, that there was never a legal uh, – there was nothing legally set in stone that Riley could use the name – that um, whatever paperwork that they put together, like never went through the, you know, all the correct legal proceedings to um, to make it official and legally binding. And apparently now, you know, the typical thing that happens when you have multiple or, you know, two bands with the same name where they fragmented this way, um, you know, they're claiming that, you know, they don't want to mislead fans and they, you know, it's harder for them to sell their band if Riley's out there and trying to tour the same places. Yeah, I kind of agree with it. You know, I I, I don't, I, I, I can't think of any product or event, you know, it's like, you can't have two bands out there with the same name. It's like, you can't do that in sports. It's like, you can't do that anywhere else. It's like, I, I think on a consumer level that we should just uh have one la guns out there one rat out there you know i i, right. I do th- i do think that that that's that's the smart thing to do and the fair thing to do however you know i'm also against you know i like a free market and i i think you should let capitalism take over that but it is misleading too you know because I, I i know like for that brief period where there were like two rats out there touring i know somebody was like yeah i'm going to see rat and it, meanwhile it was like bobby blotzer was the only member the drummer you know and they, they thought they were right. going to see steven and this is obviously casual fan and there's a lot of casual fans out there i mean Right. It's not all the a lot of a lot of the people who show up at these shows. It is the casual fan. It's not the you know people who even are on blabbermouth every day or or know that there's two rats or two L.A. guns. So I, I get it. I get it. And if I were Phil Lewis or or you know Tracy Guns or something, I I would want the other one shut down too. I so I I, I kind of side with them. And having seen the what's the guy's name Riley, uh, Steve Riley, yeah, yeah, Steve Riley. Having seen his version of L.A. Guns last year, and also what I'll call the real version of L.A. Guns with with Phil Lewis and Tracy Guns, 
Um, they were both good. I mean, but the the Phil Lewis version is is just so much better, honestly. And but I did enjoy seeing the other one at, at M three last year. They did fine. And I are they? I know they're the other the version, the Riley version is playing M three again this year. So I'm wondering if that's what spawned this lawsuit. Are they are they also playing other shows? I would I would imagine that's yeah, the case. Okay. You know, I I would think that the M three is the is the big thing because that's probably a you know decent chunk of change to them, right. and they've also been signed to um, to a label, um, Gold Robot, who has King's X and a few other bands um, that are you know hard rock bands, and I'm I'm assuming that that also hurts these guys put out, you know, if they're searching for a, a deal, if their frontiers deal is done, you know, it's probably harder for them to, to find a label as well, because it's kind of the same, the same deal. You've got a limited amount of labels that are probably willing to, to sign them. Um, so, I mean, if someone is signing the Riley version instead, it's, it's closing doors for them. So, right. Right. Yeah, so I get that. I get that. And speaking of guns, Guns and Roses, Richard Ford is saying something like he hopes we hear new music. I guess we being the public and the fan base hear new music from the band this year, 2020. Predictions. Do you think that's going to happen? Um... If it doesn't happen this year, I don't think we'll ever see it. I mean, right, let okay. me put it to you that way. Um, I don't think we'll see it, though. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I want to see it. I want to hear it just because I'm curious. Yeah. But will we see it? I don't know. I'm I'm hesitant to say yes on that myself. But I do feel that Ax- Axel is more secure with Slash and Duff back in the band. And with... Right old Chinese democracy unreleased stuff still continuing to get leaked and and surface maybe he's more anxious than ever to put out some some new music uh, but but we shall see only time will tell and yeah I'm hopeful too just like Richard Fortas is hopeful and yeah so we are Victor Ruiz and Mark Striegel and this is an episode of Talking Metal but I wanted to remind everyone that we do this pretty much exactly this right Victor we just turn on the mics and talk we don't even really plan things out too much ahead of time Uh, sometimes not at all we have no idea what we're even going to talk about we just turn the mics on and we release a podcast every Friday and it is unlike Talking Metal, a podcast you have to pay to get. It is $2 a month, basically. Um, and what you do is subscribe to the Patreon page or join us on Patreon. Become a patron on Patreon. Um, and that gives you access to this bonus podcast. And you can really, you can pledge whatever amount of money you want to on Patreon. However, to get that podcast, it has to be at least $2 a month, which with, you know, four or more podcasts a month that breaks down to what 50 cents an episode and yeah so we just wanted to give everyone a taste all the talking metal listeners a taste of kind of what we do on on the mark striegel show every week and of course victor has his own podcasts plural right victor mars attacks being the flagship podcast is that uh is that accurate Yes, the the sinking ship. I mean, the flagship. <laughs> the, yes, the sinking flagship. Okay, <laughs> right. 
which you don't release those on a regular basis. It's kind of it's when you do them, you do them type of thing, right? Yeah, unfortunately, I'd I'd, I'd love to do more, but there's just so many outside circumstances that uh, just keep me from doing them on a regular basis. So right. Hopefully I can get back to a point where I can release them weekly like I did before. Uh, But just a lot of crap going on in my personal life that just keeps me from doing them regularly. Right. Fair enough. And the uh, Galaxy of Geeks is a show you have too. I know so people can check that out and all this yes. stuff. Mars Attacks, Galaxy of Geeks, all up on on uh, all your normal podcasting outlets, right? Um, yes. Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. I would just assume. Yeah, Spotify, Spotify, so on cool. and so forth. Yeah. Now let me ask you: Did you ever like? With Spotify, did your podcast kind of just appear there, or did you approach them and have to ask them to um, distribute the podcast or, like, you know, submit your RSS feed to them? Yeah, I had to submit everything to them. With me, it's weird. Like, I didn't, and one day they just kind of showed up there, so. Is that maybe from uh, your podcasting hosting company? Yeah, probably, probably. I mean, it's got to be, right? It's got to be. I would figure they probably, you know, because I Spotify initially went after certain shows of certain sizes, and I'm assuming that with um, what's the name of the service, Art Twelve or what's uh, the Art uh, Nineteen? Yeah, is, Art my, 19. is the service that distributes my podcast. Yeah, yeah, I, I would assume because there's some pretty big name uh, shows on there that they probably approached them and got all their shows. And, yeah. and got all the shows. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah I'm no, right. it's a good assumption for sure, <laughs> for sure. And we do talkingmetal.net. When I say we, I mean Victor and I post posts on talkingmetal.net. Or no, what am I saying? That's because I don't even know my website. <laughs> talkingmetal.com and talkingrock.net. It's about yes. time I, I learn my websites. But talkingrock.net is a place where we post um, we post stuff and. Victor does a great column every Friday that lists all the new music that you should know about that's being released, which I always love going to and clicking on the links you put up and reading what you have to say about stuff, Victor. So thank you for doing that. And again, every Friday, new music is released and TalkingRock.net is the place to go to find out what that music is and to listen to what that music, uh, how that music sounds. And yeah, yeah, I, I threw it out there because, you know, we get some traffic on talkingrock.net um and i did mention in a previous episode i was just curious to do people go there and i did get you know get some responses from some people i don't normally hear from so cool it uh, made me ex- you know feel like we're doing the right thing at least for now to keep talkingrock.net going if uh, if you don't go there definitely add it to your favorites and we'd love it if you drop by and and check in every now and again all the podcasts i do with the exception of the mark striegel show which is exclusive to patreon um are are up there that includes the talking metal podcast and talkingrock.net. we also post victor's uh, mars attacks podcast there right victor and galaxy of geeks gets posted there so there's a lot of podcasts that you can check out there as well as just regular news items and stuff on the the news feed and again that's talkingrock.net. and 
kind of easing into the new year here, but I am going to start scheduling some interviews. I did start a new job in the fall of 2019 and it was supposed to be a seasonal, but I'm going to stay on with them indefinitely at this point. So trying to kind of still wrap my head around this new schedule and working a lot of hours, but, um, you know, I do want to, uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. I do want to, you know, keep the content going on talkingrock.net and uh, keep the podcast going and stuff. I kind of lost my train of thought there. But yeah, Neil Pert, rest in peace, right, Victor? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, what what, what a kind of tragic life, too. He, he lost his, his wife and, and daughter. Um, Within a year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just, just terrible just to, to go through that. I can't imagine. He but, did remarry, though. Yeah, rebounded, remarried, and and continued to to make music, and uh, but still, age sixty seven. That's far too young to yeah to leave us in today's times. And yeah, man. So I guess we'll leave it there. So Victor, have a great week. Uh, I'll see you in a in a few days to record the yep. next episode of the Mark Striegel Show, available on our Patreon platform which is uh patreon.com slash talking metal so uh yeah check us out there and there's more than just the podcast there there's all sorts of posts and discussions and people like steven sailor and steve hoker mike jones and a big crew over there 30 some people all kind of uh getting together and having private conversations there on patreon so all right, Victor. Well, thanks as always. And what should we do to take us out? Do you, should we hit LA Guns or do we want to hit another Rush song? Your choice um, or something else. I mean, I'm leaving it totally up to you. Anything you want to play. Hmm. Okay. And I'm putting uh, you on the spot, so take your you're time. Put me on the spot. You love doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Mark. Mark loves to ask me questions that we, you know, Haven't, like he yeah. said before. You know, we we normally don't prepare, so he usually he likes leaving me these zingers. So. No, you know, anything, man. Don't stress <laughs> out. Don't stress out over it. If there's any song that you're, like, digging right now or, you know. I, you know what I'm digging? And neither one are metal. But I, I really love the new record by The Who. It's called Who. Okay. And I really love uh, Desert Sessions. I don't really love it, but I, I will say love is a strong word. I like it a lot. Desert Sessions, volume, I guess it's 11 and 12. Uh, right. Billy, Billy from ZZ Top doing some really cool falsetto vocals on one of the tunes and a, just a kind of all-star group of people jamming with Josh from Queens of the Stone Age. The Desert Sessions disc is good. Um, what What are you thinking, though? What, do you, what should we play? Um, let's see. Uh, it can be anything. Throw it. Throw, if you got something that you, that you want to promote yeah. or, or anything... No, let's let's do uh, let, let's do uh, an obscure rush track here, okay. which I always thought was cool. Uh, name name of the track is um, Armor and Sword, and this comes off of the album Snakes and Arrows. Cool, let's do it here on Talking Metal. Support all the bands and music we play on Talking Metal by streaming them legally on Spotify and Apple Music, and downloading their music and buying their CDs and. All that good stuff. All right. Thanks, Victor. We'll check you out soon. All right. Thanks. The snakes and arrows, a child is a...